Lord Christ, thank you that you are the king. Lord, thank you that you're in control. Thank you that you are the author of life, that you are the authority. And I pray now by your Holy Spirit that we might um, see you, we might hear you, we might experience you as you rightfully are, the king, the authority over us and everything that we interact with day in and day out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, many of you have seen the movie Captain Phillips or you know the story, but if you haven't, let me set up a scene for you. Captain Phillips is played by Tom Hanks. He's the captain of an American cargo vessel, and some Somali pirates have just boarded the ship And there's a moment when the leader of said pirates breaks into the bridge and unlawfully claims authority of the ship. And he looks at Captain Phillips. He says, hey, look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. The Somali pirates steal what rightfully belongs to Captain Phillips. But then a higher authority comes along, the United States Navy, who retakes the vessel and, we'll say, disables the pirates and returns the ship to its rightful owner, Captain Phillips. When someone is considered an authority on something, we often say that they have written the book on it. They're the experts in their field. They've proven it. They've got the data to back it up. There's this gravitas to them. We're going to do a quick audience survey as we are want to do here at Grace Northridge. Who is the authority on French cooking? Julia Childs. She literally wrote the cookbook. Yes. Okay. Who is the authority on vulnerability and courage? Brene Brown, right. She's done all the TED Talks. She's written all the books. She's been on all the podcasts. She's done all the things there. All right, who has authority over pirates when they hijack an American vessel? The United States Navy, particularly the Navy SEALs. That's right. The ultimate authority in the universe is Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven and on earth belong to him. As Paul reminds the church at Colossae, for in Jesus, for in him... All things were created, things on heaven and on earth. That's a lot of things, by the way. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Jesus holds the ultimate authority, Paul says, because he is the author of everything. Paul says Jesus possesses power and authority over every single thing. Like every single thing. And Mark seems to be making a similar argument. In chapter 1, we saw that he had power and authority over demons. In chapter 2, we saw that he is the authority on Sabbath. Now in chapter 4, we're going to see another realm over which Jesus is the Lord. Turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Now on that day, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. 
Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were other boats with him. And then a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. But Jesus was in the stern, just sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Matthew's version says, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. You can almost imagine them with their buckets just before this moment trying to bail all the water out. So Jesus, verse 39, he got up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and everything was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, who is this or what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? A couple of observations from our story so far. Number one, there's a huge significance to the other side of the lake or the sea, but we're going to wait to explore all those nuggets uh, till next week when Jesus and his disciples get to said other side. So we'll get there next week. Uh, The second thing is that as they got into the boat that night, one-third of the humans in the boat are fishermen. So this is just a normal Tuesday. It's a normal Tuesday night. The fishermen get into a boat. So it's just Tuesday until it's not because it says a great wind whipped up. The waves got bigger and bigger. Now, I don't know if you've ever been at sea when something like this happens, when the sea starts to become unruly. Uh, I have a few times while surfing, uh, and it is absolutely terrifying. And we haven't had a Brit surfing illustration in a while. Might have been three weeks, so here we go. (laughs) So this is a picture of Green Bulls in Indonesia, uh, where I used to be a missionary. It looks really beautiful, and it is. But what you can't see is that there's this deep channel in between the two breaks where a tiger shark lives. Her name is Mama Taigi. You probably already know that. Here's what you might not know, that just below us, from this vantage point, there's a cave. It's the last cave on the beach that a bunch of bats live in. And those bats are the primary food source for pythons that slither down the cliff face And they wait over the opening so that when the bats come out, they just go, bat. Okay? Also, that channel, sometimes the water pulls off of it so hard that it has pulled people to sea, never to be seen again. Green Bulls is gnarly. It's rugged. It's the ruggedest place I've ever been, if you'll allow me to make up a word. But this place became my home break the last uh, three months that I lived there. And so what started out as like literal shaking, the first day I surfed it, I was just praying and I was shaking as I paddled out because it was so terrifying to me. But after surfing it three to four times a week, I became pretty comfortable there. I got confident. And there was a friend that was visiting from Hawaii and I promised him that I'd take him to a non-touristy spot. And this is one of them because of all the things I mentioned before. Um, and so we get to that place um, from, from that uh, vantage point that we saw in that previous uh, picture, and we're looking down on the, from the cliff, 
and it looks just like that, and it's really beautiful. There's nobody out. It looks to be about eight-foot faces. You can't tell because you're way high up. And so we, uh, we walk down the 348 steps that kind of does this to get to the beach. We don't go into the back cave. We paddle out, and it's about eight foot. And it's beautiful. It's crystal clear. As you're surfing, you're seeing, like, fish and stuff, and it's really awesome. Well, then within an hour, a squall came up. And now we're looking at 14 to 15 foot faces, which is pretty big. Like, that's a bunch of water, okay? Um, this idyllic surfing over a, uh, an aquarium thing, it's turning into a dumpster fire pretty quick. No longer can you see through the water because the wind has chopped it up. It's huge, and we had to keep paddling out to sea to avoid these huge bombs just detonating on our heads, which then puts us closer to the rip current, which is not good because then you end up in Antarctica and Mamatagi probably at some point is going to nab you, maybe, I don't know. But by this point, our pride is out the window. Drew's from Hawaii. He's a great surfer. I'm just okay. We were totally comfortable when it was 8 to 10 foot and crystal clear and beautiful and you're seeing the fish. But we no longer had the, um, how shall I say it, the luxury of trying to look like we had it all together. I looked at him and I yelled out, we have to get out right now. What he didn't know is that I was praying like crazy. And in that moment, my prayers were for salvation were pure. Either Jesus was going to have to rescue us or we were about to meet him. Um, I was out of my depth, things were beyond my control, and I was terrified. This place and this space that I had been so comfortable in was now suddenly terrifying. I didn't have what it took, so I called on the only one who could. Miraculously, Drew and I made it to the beach, our hearts pounding, our pride extinguished, and in our story, the disciples are in a pretty similar situation. When Jesus asked them to get into the boat, they're confident. Remember, four of them are fishermen. They know everything about boats and sailing and fishing. This is just Tuesday night. These are the guys on deadliest catch. They've been in storms before. And I can even imagine them wanting to show off their skills to Jesus. I think if I could go surfing with Jesus, I would try to show off a little bit too, at which point he would just be way better. He's like, hey, watch this one. I don't even need a board. Ah! <laughs> so Mark tells us that this storm is pretty gnarly. He describes it as a furious squall, and it makes sense given the geography of the place because it's kind of like a bowl. So when the wind whips up, it can create almost like a vortex, Right? Um, and so as the wind gets crazy, so do the waves, and they just keep getting bigger and bigger, and so the boat is filling with water, which is pretty scary. But remember, this is just Tuesday. They've been in this stuff before. They're the guys on deadliest catch, and so they are doing everything that they can. They've got their buckets, they're bailing water out, but the water is coming in so fast, but they still think they're in control. The carpenter can keep sleeping because he's in a boat full of captains. 
So Jesus just keeps sleeping, and I love this, right? We see his humanity on display, uh, full display. I think Jesus can sleep in a storm for two reasons. Number one, uh, ministry is hard and it's exhausting. So he's just dog-tired, okay? Number two, Jesus knew those waves. He knew that lake, and he knew each man in that boat because he authored them. This is Genesis 1, Psalm 139, the magician's nephew when Aslan just sings everything into being. So Jesus just sleeps, and he lets the so-called experts try their best. They problem-solve, they strategize, they keep trying. Do you see the beauty of this moment? They get to the end of themselves. They finally realize how desperately they need Jesus, and so they ask for his help. They surrender to his power, and they're saved. Quiet! Be still. Just like that. It goes from unruly, terrifying, to completely calm, glassy conditions. Who is this? They're astonished that even the wind and the waves obey what he says. Jesus has power over demons. He is the authority on Sabbath. And now, Mark says, he even controls nature. Have any of you ever spoken to wind or waves and they've obeyed you? Right? Like, maybe if God super anoints you and something crazy happens. As a Texas surfer, I wish I had that ability. Good waves, come forth. That'd be awesome. It'd make Texas a lot better. Texas is awesome. Waves are not that awesome. Right? Jesus has authority over Nature, he just speaks and it happens. As it turns out, the carpenter is actually the captain. And when I look around this room, can I tell you what I see? I see very competent people. Some of you are experts in your field, some of you have even written the book, you've written the textbooks the manuals, the most amazing spreadsheet, et cetera, et cetera, right? I didn't mean that, but that was pretty awesome. <laughs> wow. Dang. Ah, oh, man. Where do, you, where do you even go there? We go back to this. Yeah. You and I, like we are for the most part, we have it all together, or at least we look like it. We went to great schools like Texas A&M and a few others maybe. We have great jobs. Our friends went to great schools. They have great jobs. We are highly competent here at Grace Northridge. Or we have the right connections. Or we have enough money to deal with the storms of life. Some of us have all three. But every now and then, a situation arises, a storm kicks up, 
that sobers us. It shows us clearly that we do not have what it takes. Our strength, our connections, our expertise, our money simply won't cut it. COVID, election cycle, Uvalde, hurricanes, the Ukraine. Like we've, we've been in a series of storms, and not all of those storms hit us equally, right? Because we're all individual. But we've been in some storms, and, and those storms are on top of the normal, really difficult things like a cancer diagnosis, your teenager having a really hard time, a job transition, the things that used to be like really, really hard for us. Now they're just like add-ons to this other stuff. And even if you're a glass half full person, you've probably experienced moments in the last season where you've realized that you're like deeply tired, you're sad, you're super angry, and so you grab one more drink, you watch one more show, or you scroll up 20 more times to escape. These are your buckets. The water just keeps coming in, and you're not catching up with it. If you're like the carpenters, this has been a pretty leveling season. But it's also been really eye-opening because in these aha moments, it gives us opportunity to see very clearly things as they really are. We realize we actually don't have what it takes We need someone greater, we need someone stronger, we need someone with actual authority because our monies and our degrees and our expertise simply won't pass muster. Lord, I do not know what to do. I don't have it all together. This storm is too much. The water is pouring in. I need you. This is the heart of the gospel. God is the creator of all things. God is the author of life, but he created us to live under his good and his gracious authority, but then there's this thing called sin, and sin is rebellion against God, and more specifically, it's rebellion against his rightful authority in our lives. As a result of sin, you and I, well, here's what we do. We yield, we submit to false Authorities, false gods, even our own false selves. Unknowingly, many times, we seek equality with God. We try to usurp his rightful authority, and we play captain of his ship. We become the Somali pirate. We arrest control. We take over because we assume that we know best. And in our most fearful moments, when the storm is at its greatest, we say to God with our actions, many times with our thoughts, I'm the captain now. I have to take over because you seem to be asleep Or worse, you don't care. 
I need to take over this thing because you're either asleep or worse, you see exactly where I'm at and you don't care. And I'm a Texan and I have what it takes. Does that resonate? Have you been there? Boy, I sure have. Even when you and I do this, God is so much better at being God than if we were. He's gracious. He's merciful. He wants us to experience the freedom that comes when we stop arresting control. So God gave us his word. He sent his Holy Spirit. He gave us community to remind us that he is good and that if we'll just let him be God, it's gonna go so much better for us. Even when we don't believe it, even when we don't feel it, he's the captain. Um, we've got a few minutes left, and Kennedy and the band are gonna come up, and there's a song that they're gonna sing over us by Pat Barrett that has been particularly helpful for me in this last year. Uh, the lyrics of the first two verses will come on screen, and for some of you, as this song is being sung over us, those lyrics are going to be really powerful and helpful. Then we're going to get to the bridge, and it's kind of one of those Bethelie songs, so it just goes on forever. Um, no more verses, just a bunch of stuff, which is awesome. Uh, and in that moment, we're going to take away the lyrics on the screen, and there's five application questions they're going to come up. And for some of you, those questions are going to be the most important. But the lyrics and the application questions are just a means to an end for us this morning. And that end is for you to meet with Jesus. For you to take this time, five minutes or so, and just meet with the Lord. Okay? Then when that's done, we're going to stand up and sing the doxology together. It's going to all just go right on in a flow. And then we're going to come to the Lord's table together. So I invite you now, prepare your hearts and meet with the captain. You're listening to the audio recording of the sermon, which means that you can't see the five application questions that Britt provided in the sermon. So I'm just going to read those. And you can reflect on them now as you're listening to this audio version of the sermon. Here are the five questions. How is your boat? Where is the water crashing in? What are your waves? What's terrifying you right now? In what ways are you tempted to think that you and your bucket are the solution? What do you need Jesus to shush? If you haven't already, I recommend that you go uh, look up the song Sales by Pat Barrett that Brett was talking about and uh, use that to help you think about these questions and reflect and meet with the Lord.